0: Good morning everyone, morning. glad you're here with us. Uh, everyone ready for 4th of July? <laughs> going need eat some tasty food. Anyone cooking ribs? Yeah? yeah? Uh, what, what, what else do people eat on 4th of July? We got ribs, I don't know what else. That's what I'm gonna eat. Um, you guys hungry though? Ever, ever been hungry and forget a meal somewhere? Uh, I do this all the time where I come to work, and I forget my meal. So I start scavenging and looking for stuff. And then randomly, every now and then, I'll forget a meal. And I'll be here at the church. And I'll be looking for something, scrounging through cabinets. And then I'll notice that there is this unexpected meal. It was leftovers from a rooted celebration night. <laughs> and it was like a pan full of Red Lion barbecue. And it makes me so excited, this completely unexpected meal. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Maybe you're getting a little bit hungry right now thinking about all this stuff. Hey, here's what we do have. We have an unexpected meal for some of us here after the service over at the greenhouse. We're going to have a little barbecue to help support students who are trying to go to camp. You can join us over for that. But we're going to look at another unexpected meal in the Bible as we're going through this series through Mark, uh, looking at some of the unexpected events that that, uh, Jesus took place in and some of the unexpected things that he did. We're gonna look at one of those unexpected meals. One of his most famous miracles throughout the Gospels is where Jesus fed uh, 5,000 people. Maybe you remember this story from Sunday School, maybe you've read it, you've heard about it before, where Jesus feeds thousands of people. Um, That is what we're gonna look at this morning. So, if you wanna open your Bible up, uh, make your way over to Mark 6 or your iBible and swipe your way over to Mark 6, you can do that as well. We're going to start in Mark 6, verses 30. So to set the stage here, um, Jesus had, has his 12 disciples, and he's been training them um, and showing them how to do, the, do uh, the work of the ministry, and then he sends them out, and he says, you guys go and do ministry. You cast out demons, you go heal people, you do all the stuff. So his disciples go and do that. They return after uh, a, a period of time. And they're going to report everything that they had done and, uh, to Jesus. So this is where we pick off. The disciples have come back. They're excited uh, to tell Jesus all that they've done. They've been away for a while. And that's where we pick up in verse 30 uh, in the book of Mark, chapter 6. So here we go. It might not be up here, at least this one verse here. It says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going... They did not even have a chance to eat. So the disciples, I mean, crowds just followed Jesus. Wherever he went, just uh, masses of crowds would come and follow him. And so the disciples are trying to tell Jesus, hey, here's what we did. This is what, this is what we've done. But then there's like so, much, so many people coming and going. They, they didn't even get a chance to eat. They're getting, hung, uh, uh, they're getting hungry. Disciples are hungry. They want to tell Jesus. And the, the people are kind of getting in the way of what's going on. So Jesus, what he does is he says, he says to them, come with me. Uh, by yourselves to, to a quiet place, and we'll get some rest. So Jesus is like, hey, let's get away from these people. We'll go to a quiet place, a desolate place. We'll get some rest. Maybe we can chat about it there. Um, and so that's kind of what has happened here so far. And so Jesus takes them, they, and they leave. And uh, So as we read on, it says, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. So they're out, and they're going to go do what they do. But what happened was so many people— had saw them leaving and recognized them, and they ran on foot uh, to all the towns and got there ahead of them. So all these people, they had seen Jesus, they had seen the disciples, all the crowds, they went and got all their friends, and they, they noticed where their boat was headed, and so they all went ahead of them. And can you just imagine this? Just thousands of people running along this shoreline, trying to catch a boat. And these people are, are most, a lot of them are probably lame, some of them are sick, a lot of them are probably poor, people are hurting, um, they're kind of frenzied, so it's like this very obscure crowd, just like running along the shoreline, and they get there ahead of Jesus, and it says, when Jesus landed, he saw this large crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, so he began teaching them many things, I mean, as they leave, all these people are there, Jesus sees them, and he's has compassion. And the picture that you might get in your head is like some sheep in a pasture that are kind of lost and roaming around. Um, and they just needed someone to kind of corral them and bring them bring them home. That's the wrong picture that Mark is trying to paint in everyone's mind. It's not some sheep that are lost and just need to be corralled. What he's trying to show here is is these people were where Jesus had taken his disciples was this part where a, a lot of people had felt abandoned by their leaders by their spiritual leaders, by their government leaders. Um, When this was written, Uh, Rome had really taken over. And so a lot of these people felt like they wanted to uprise against Rome. They wanted to take their their city back. They wanted to take their country back, reestablish. And so many of these people, they were waiting not only for the coming Messiah, but they were waiting for a, a new leader to lead them and kind of who their true king was so they could go and take over by force. And we actually see in the book of John that after this miracle took place, all these people, they wanted to take Jesus, it says, And they wanted to promote him as their leader. They wanted to take everything over by force. And so many of these people, you know, that's what their mindset was. And so when Jesus saw them, it wasn't like some sheep that needed to be corralled. What he saw was many people, and they were lost. Their their leaders had abandoned them. They didn't know who to follow anymore. They didn't know who was supposed to lead them. They they didn't have spiritual leaders leading them well. And they just were abandoned people of Israel. And so when Jesus hits the scene and he knows this and he sees them, he just has compassion on this multitude of people who are just lost without a leader, no one to lead them. And and so that is kind of the mindset of what we should have when, when Jesus steps off this boat onto the shoreline and there's these thousands of people. What he sees is this group of people who are lost and have no one to follow and they're abandoned and they're kind of frenzied up. And so then Jesus He takes the time, even though that he's tired and his disciples are tired, I'm going to take the time and to teach them about who I am and who Jesus is and the work of God. That's the picture that we really get. And so this miracle that Jesus does is far more than just multiplying some food and giving it out and everyone has a full belly for the night. it's far greater than just that. This was a massive change in the direction for the people of Israel, that this wasn't just, here's some food because you're hungry, but this was uh, trying to paint this picture of like how the Israelites had Moses to follow all the way through, all the way to the promised land, and how Moses had brought bread down from heaven uh, through God and fed the Israelites and provided for them as they're, as they're following Moses into the promised land. This was Jesus saying, not only am I the person who is uh, uh, the, uh, the leader that you need, but I am God. Moses was able to give you bread through God, but I'm gonna give you bread because I am God. Jesus was God, and this was something that he was trying to show this group of people. Yes, you were lost, and you don't have a leader, and yes, you were looking for the coming Messiah, and yes, you want someone to overtake Rome, and what he's saying is, I am the leader for you. I am the person that you follow now, and not just because I'm a prophet like Moses, but I am God. I provide everything, that you need now and this was a massive shift for the people here of saying that we now have someone that we follow we now have the leader that we follow and it's not just a prophet but it is God God in the flesh is who we follow now and this is uh why it's is so important that Mark he is foreshadowing not only the cost of what it takes to follow Jesus and the faith that it needs but really he's what he's showing is that the bread is far more than just food for our belly but it is the bread that feeds our faith. What Jesus is giving out is bread that feeds our faith. It is the provision that we need in our life, in our daily life, and we learn that Jesus says that he is the bread of life. And all who take that never go hungry again. More than just our bellies, it is our spiritual life, our inner world, he is Jesus who is God. And that is what he shows the people when he does this miracle, that you follow me now. And today I feel like Jesus would say something similar to some of us in here. That you may be going through life and you might be wondering, what is this all about? Why am I here? Where is God taking me? What direction do I go? What do I do in my life? Why have I been working so hard and and not seeing what I thought might happen? You know, uh, who's gonna provide for me? Much as Jesus saw these people that had no leader and had compassion on them, God has compassion on you too. If you feel lost, And alone. God has compassion on you. He sees where you're hurting. He sees your pain. He sees your loneliness, and he sees your frustration. He sees how hard you've worked, and he has compassion on you, and Jesus can provide everything that you need. He is the person that we should all follow because he is God, and he loves us and has compassion on us, so he is the person that we all now follow. And Jesus knew this, and he had this very uh, extremely valuable lesson, not only to teach his disciples and this crowd of people, but he had this very uh, valuable lesson that is so applicable to us today, that the bread that feeds our faith. And so he kind of explains, well, what is this? How does this happen? And he shows the disciples through uh, uh, their interaction together. And so let's continue reading on. It says, by this time, it was late in the day. Jesus is teaching for a while. And people are, you know, getting late, right? So one of those long sermons. So his disciples came to him. They probably huddled up and go, hey, it's going a while. We should probably talk to Jesus about this. This is a remote place, they said. And, you know, it's getting late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding uh, countryside and villages. And they can buy themselves some food so they can eat. They're getting hungry. The day's going on. Jesus is talking a little bit too long. And the disciples are hungry from their previous trip. Their bellies are rumbling. They recognize that all these people are hungry as well. They've been sitting here listening to you for a while. And so they kind of huddle up, and they actually ask this um, very reasonable and seemingly very polite question to Jesus. Could we let them go eat? Maybe we should send them away so they can go get some food, and we can find some food ourselves. That's what we should probably do. I do this all the time. Don't you do this? You ever tell God what to do? I know I do. I'd be like, hey, God, if I was you and I was in your shoes, this is what I would have done. Hey, if I was God, I would have done it like this. If I was Jesus, I probably would have worked this like this. Or if I was God, this is really what I'd be doing right now. So it's probably what you should do. And they kind of, you know, it's like, hey, Jesus, you're taking too long. They need to eat. Let them go do it, all right? And so what does Jesus say to his disciples here? They kind of, he kind of catches them off guard and says something a little bit unexpected. So Jesus answers and he says, you go feed them. You go give them all something to eat. Here's 5,000 men, women and children, you know, 20,000 plus. You go feed them. That's what you should do. And they're probably scratching their head like, okay, where Jesus says, you do it. You can do it. You feed them. This is classic Jesus, isn't it? (laughs) Classic Jesus, where there's like this insurmountable problem, and he says, do it. And they're like, what? I know there's a hidden meaning here, Jesus. What are you trying to say? Uh, What do you want from us? You actually want us to feed them? You know, he's kind of like the math teacher that always used to call on me in high school, that when you raise your hand and you just have one simple question about a math problem, he calls you up in front of the whole class to solve the problem. Has anyone ever done that before? And you're like, why am I in front of the class on the, on the whiteboard trying to solve the problem? I just had a question. Where the math teacher's like, come on, you can do it. Go. And you're just like, ah, oh, really? That's what Jesus did. He, you know, he's like, hey, you can do it. You go do it. You got this. You see these thousands of people They're hungry. Feed them. They're your responsibility too. Why are you asking me to send them away? Have you ever been in a situation like that? Where you felt like someone is just someone else's responsibility and they can deal with it? Or this situation is not my responsibility, so we can just let it go? Just send it away? Or the the church probably has these people covered, so... You know, I don't need to take care of that. It might be your responsibility. Jesus says you do it. You can do it. It's not their responsibility. It's yours. The people here in, in this church in Spokane, they're your responsibility. You go do it. You can do it. Go. Feed them. Don't just assume that everything is always someone else's responsibility. Don't assume that everything in this church just gets done because it's someone else's responsibility. The church functions here because it's our responsibility. And we all take part and we all care for the church, the people in the church, the people outside the church. Don't assume that someone else has it covered because they don't. It's your responsibility. And Jesus says, you do it. You feed the people. Don't assume that they, their work, they don't need it and they can just go and go back to their villages and find some food. They're your responsibility. Feed them. So they said to Jesus, like, they probably huddled up and were like, uh, what do we do here? Um, I don't really have that kind of pocket cash to go, like, buy all this kind of food. And we know Matthew does, but, you know, he's not saying anything. (laughs) So they kind of go back to Jesus and say, hey, you know, that would take, like, half a year's wage. And Matthew's not willing to fork it up. So, you know, are you really asking us to go spend that much money on bread and give it to them to eat? I think they huddled up, and they were just like, we got to get out of this. Somehow we got ourselves in a pickle. Jesus is trying to teach us a very, very valuable life lesson, and now this is getting a little too crazy and a little too hard. So uh, what should we do? Let's tell them that it's going to cost too much money. They get together, and that's what they say. They come up with this excuse. Well, we don't have the money for that. I don't have that much money, Jesus. It can't be done. You know, and this is the part of the story that I read, and it cuts to the deepest— In my life. Because I know what Jesus said to the disciples, you go feed them. And they couldn't. And so they came up with an excuse. Well, we don't have money. And it makes me think of all the times, all the areas in my life where Jesus has said, it's your responsibility. You go do it. Nathan, this is your family. Nathan, these are your kids. Nathan, this is your church. Nathan, these are the people you should reach. This is what you should do. And how many times that I've just been like, well, God, I'm not old enough to do that, or I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I'm not, you know, smart enough. I'm not wise enough, whatever it is. All the times that I've made excuses of why I can't. I just can't do it. Jesus said so, but yeah, I can't, you know. I'm afraid to travel. I can't go out of the country, whatever it may be. I can't do it. And maybe some of you, you feel the same way, where you know you've made, you've made excuses where God says, go and win your school, go and win your campus. Well, what would people think about me? I'm probably too young, you know, really not going to work well, uh, like it might get made fun of, or, you know, uh, go start and help with this ministry. Ah, I don't got the time, you know, that, that's going to be too hard. You know, uh, God says, "Well, go and pray for that person. they might get healing. Well, what if I pray and they, they don't get healed? Like then I'd look kind of bad, and that would look kind of weird. like you can't pray for someone and they don't get you know healed. Or what, what happens if you know, hey, go and invest into your marriage, fix your marriage. Oh, that would take so much work. <laughs> Is it worth it? Like I don't know if I can do that. How much money will it cost me? How much time will it take? Would I have to take a pay cut to, like, serve more? Would I have to do this? Well, I know God wants me to help with with, uh, missions, or I know God wants me to help with homeless, or I know God wants me to, you know, get a part of Rooted, or I know whatever it is, but, you know, uh, here's my excuse of why it's not going to happen. You know, time is money, Lord, and don't got a lot of it. But what Jesus is not only trying to show his disciples, he's trying to show us today, you do it. You can do it. It is your responsibility. You can win your campus. You you could pray for that person, and and they could receive healing through the Holy Spirit. That dream you have, it might not be dead. It just might need to be fed some faith. Your family could come to know God. You can do that. Nothing is impossible. Can you do it on your own? Probably not. I love how Jesus puts his disciples in these situations that they can't handle it. 20,000 people they have to feed, and they don't got, you know, a dollar in their pocket. Maybe you've heard that phrase that God will never give you anything that you can't handle. That is a complete lie. I don't know where they found it in the Bible, who started putting it on, on Facebook on those cute little posts, but it is a lie. I don't know what Bible they've been reading, but there's nothing in the Bible that God had ever given any person that said, this is a perfect situation for you, and you have all the skills and necessities to handle it. Go do it. You need my help. Go for it. Now, every, the Bible that I read is, is there's always insurmountable odds against a person or a people. And, and, and God says, you can do this. And then they go, well, how? And he goes, with me. You can do it. And if God gives you something that you can handle, he'll turn it into something that you can't handle. And we see this <laughs> in the Bible, too. If you remember the story of Gideon, Gideon had to go fight this big you know, uh, fight an army, and then you know, he's scared, but then God gives him 30,000 men to fight, and that seems, oh, okay, I could win a battle with 30,000 men. Thank you, Lord, for this provision that you've provided. And he goes, well, actually, you've got to pare it down to 300. Okay, that's getting a little sketchy. Oh, and you're going to have to pare it down even further from that, and now go win the fight. And somehow God took this... Situation that seemed manageable down to you're not going to be able to do that. You can't do that on your own. I turned this situation into what you thought was manageable into something completely impossible. God will always give us things that we can't handle in life. He'll always do that. And this is what He did to the disciples. These are your responsibility. Don't turn them away. Go feed them. Well, how? How would we feed twenty thousand people? Why does he do that to us? Why does he give us situations? Why does does this diagnosis pop up? Why does someone's life have to be lost? Why why do people get laid off from jobs? Why do people get sick? Why why do situations happen in life where this relationship is so tense? And like, how do you fix it? Why does God make us marry people? And it's hard. Why does God bring situations in life that are difficult? Because Jesus can do a lot with a little. And this is what I think Jesus was trying to show the disciples here. He's trying to show the people, hey, you follow me. And yes, do you need provision in life? Of course you do. And I can do a lot with a little. Jesus says he's the bread of life. And anyone who partakes in that, they will never go hungry. This was far more than just food in someone's belly. This was something that the people deeply needed for hundreds of years. And his disciples really needed to learn that Jesus is the bread of life. And so he says, how many loaves do you have? And they're like, well, none, actually. Well, go and see what you can find. And when they found, we look at, we see in the Gospel of John, that the disciples found a young boy who had a small meal for himself, which is not sure what the greater miracle is, is that the teenage boy hadn't eaten his food yet or that Jesus <laughs> multiplied it. But this teenage boy had this meal, and, and, that's, and, then, and uh, he offers it to the disciples. and He says, I, I'm willing to offer this. And so the disciples come back, and they have this boy and this meal, and they say, hey, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. And they offered it to Jesus. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the grass. So the disciples were able to get everyone in groups on the grass. And sit down in hundreds and in fifties. And then taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples. And he said, here's the food. Go and distribute it to the groups you put in the grass. And they did so. And they divided the fish and the loaves among them all. They ate all and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who who had eaten was 5,000. Jesus does this incredible miracle. And this was only accomplished because of one person, who was this young boy who said, Here's what I have, God. Use it. Use it. God can do a lot with a little. And I think this is true in every situation. You may not have much faith, but God can do a lot with just a little bit of faith. He said that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain with that. You may not have much money, but maybe that $35 you have could change someone's life. If you're, you know, if, what if you sponsored a, a child through a Christian organization overseas? That God could use that $35 to do a lot of good in the world. You may not have much strength, and you may feel like your marriage is on a downward spiral. But God says, hey, with that little bit of strength you have and that little bit of faith, if you're willing to offer that, I could do a lot with that strength that you have. I could do a lot with that faith that you have. You may not feel like you have all the skills and talents and giftings. And you may not feel like you know the Bible well enough. I couldn't go and minister to people. I couldn't go take the gospel to Spokane. I couldn't go take the gospel to my my school. I couldn't go take the gospel to my work. I don't know everything. Jesus says that, hey, if you know just a little bit more than the person sitting next to you, I can use that. I can use that in someone's life. Just offer what you have. The disciples didn't have much. They had one small meal. So what did they do? Three things. First, is they started with what they have. So we start with what we have. Jesus asked them, what do you have? Not much. A small meal, Jesus. Here's, here's what it is. When faced with difficult or challenges or circumstances, we tend to first think of what we don't have. Much like the disciples, when Jesus said, you go feed them, and they said, well, we don't have money. And, when we're, and, and that's so true to us. When we get faced with difficult circumstances, difficult situations, or we feel like Jesus is asking us to go and do something, usually what we come back with first is I, what I don't have. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have the skills to do that. I don't, I'm not as good enough of a singer, or I'm not as good as this, or you know, I don't know enough about the Bible or whatever it may be. I don't have that. But notice Jesus never asked them what they don't have. He said, what do you have? What do you have? I have this small amount. That works for me. All I have is this this time here. I can work with that. All I have is this, this much money. I could use that. I could work with that. Jesus says, well, what do you have? First start with what you have. Because God can do a lot with a little. Remember back when our church, we gave money out to everyone who came to a service. And uh, some people got a little bit of money. Some people got a little bit more. And we were to use that money to go use it in our community for good. And a lot of people took time. And it was hard to think about, well, how does God want me to use this $10 or this $25 or this $50? Do you remember that when we did that? And many people were like, I don't know. But then as as they just waited and prayed and, and God directed them, some people combined some money together. Some people did other things. And God did amazing things. The stories we heard back from of, this is how I used my $50. This is how I used the $25 I was given. God did amazing things, was able to multiply that, that money that our church gave out to the congregation into far more good because of what everyone did. They said, God, I have this $25 I was given. How could I use it? What could you do with that? And God did some amazing things. You start with what you have, not with what you don't have. Second is you bring it to Jesus. Jesus asked, what do you have? They said, this small meal. Jesus said, bring it to me. And that's what they did. And that's where life starts getting really interesting. When you bring what you have to God and you say, use it. Here's what I have. It might not be much. Some people might have a lot of money. Some people might have a little money. Some people might have a lot of time. Some might have a little bit of time. Some people, a lot of this, a lot of that, a little of this, a little of that, whatever it is. This is what I have. Lord, you could use this. And that's where it starts getting really interesting because this adventure of being a Christian, it's just offering what we have, even if it's a a lot or a little, whatever it is, and seeing what Jesus could do with it. I believe he could do a lot. So we bring our lives, we bring our time, we bring our gifts, our abilities, our intelligence, our determination, our money, our stuff. We bring it to Jesus and we say, what could you do with this? What do you have? What could you bring to Jesus? What could you see multiplied? And third, you just do what Jesus says. They brought this small meal. They offered it. And then God told them what to do next. He said, go put people in groups on the grass. And so they they did that. And then he multiplied the food. He said, just go give the food out to the people. And pick up the leftovers. That's what Jesus told them to do. All pretty easy stuff. Bring me what you have, as small as it is. Now go and put them into groups. Do it. He asked the disciples to do the possible. And then he handled the impossible. I'm the one who's going to take this small meal and turn it into thousands. All I'm going to ask you to do is just corral some people into some groups. And And then I want you to bring them the food. He asked the disciples to do the possible. Jesus handled the impossible. And that's what happens when we bring what we have to to God. We say, this is what I have. God is the one who will do the impossible work. He's the one that will, when the miracle takes place, we'll get all the credit. We'll just do the possible. We'll do the the easier part. What God says, this is what you can do. And he really was showing the disciples here as well that you are the distributors of the bread of life. You're the distributors. I'm going to do the miracle, and then you're going to distribute it. You're going to go distribute the, this bread to these people here, and then you're going to go distribute it to these people here. and you're going to put these people in a group here. And you're going to put these people in a group here, and then you're going to go distribute it to them. I'm the one who will do the impossible. You're just the one that's going to go bring that to the people. So think in your own life. What group has God asked you to distribute the, his life to? We all have a group. We all have a circle that God has asked us to go and bring life to, to bring the bread of life to. We all do. It could be your school. It could be your work. It could be your family. It could be a section of town. It could be a ministry within the church here. We all have a group. We all have a circle. Some people are bigger than others. For some of you, you know that your group, your circle is your school. For some of you, maybe it's a classroom. For others, it might just be your table group. Whatever it may be, we all have a circle. We all have a group. For some of you, it's, it's your family. Maybe it's your husband. Whatever, some are bigger, some are smaller, but we all have a group. We all have a circle that we bring the bread. We're the distributors of the miracle of salvation and of grace, of life. We distribute that to people. Where is your group? Are you doing what God says to do? Are you offering him that little bit and saying, this is what I have. I'm bringing it to you, my time, my life, my money, my intelligence, all this stuff. What do you want me to do? Distribute the life to others, to the different circles. I just really believe that if you start with what you have, and you bring it to the one who we follow who is God, Jesus is God, we bring that to him and we say, I can't do much. I have little. But this is what I can bring to you. This is what I offer to you. And then we just do what he says. God can turn something that is impossible, something that is very possible. That is how we can reach our city. That is how we, we can see revival take place. That is how we can see lives change. It's not just people who know how to put a good service on. It's, a, it's people who say, this is what I have to offer. Lord, would you use it, and I'll do what you say. That's how we see transformation take place. And I believe that if we just bring those things to Jesus, we just start with what we have. This is what it is. We do what he says. God will do a miracle, not only in your own life, but in many people's lives around you. Let's pray. God, we just thank you, Lord, that you are the life that we need. You are the bread of life. Lord, and I just pray for the many people here today. God, would you show us our groups, the circles of people that we should distribute your life to. God, we want to bring you what we have. Whatever the amount it may be. We ask the people who need a miracle done, Lord, would you do that as we stand in faith. God, we ask that the little faith and the little that we have would you use it to reach our cities, our families, our peers, and our world, Lord? Inspire us today, God, that we might follow you and give you what we have. Would you multiply? We pray this in your name. Well, we thank you so much for finding North Church Sermons Online and we hope that the message today brought value and enrichment to your life. If you'd like to participate in the giving of this ministry, there's a couple of easy ways for you to do that. You can text the word NORTH to 77977 and receive a text back and get your online giving set up in under 60 seconds. Or else you can visit us online at northchurch.net and click on Give Online and participating in the things that God's doing right right here at North Church. We thank you so much for joining us. God bless.